Welcome to Mythology Breakdown. The podcast where we discuss history as told through myths, legends, and folklore. My name is Cece. And mine is Tony. And we are your hosts. Welcome to Mythology Breakdown, Tony. Episode 1. Are you super excited for this? A little more nervous than excited, to be completely honest with you. Same, same. I mean, this is our first actual podcast episode. This day could go down in infamy. (laughs) Or, you know, we could... (laughs) kill it we could kill it i hope that we kill it um so welcome we are gonna be doing a dry run we're gonna kind of go through our format see if this works good for everyone if it makes sense and it flows we're gonna start off with some fun facts we're gonna talk about some of the greek creation myths today um and then we're gonna be talking about the creation myths and the characters of the creation myths Mm -hmm. and some media later and, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, so, I have a couple of fun facts for today. So, I, was when I was doing my research, found some things that didn't necessarily... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm being really loud. You're good. <laughs> um, I found some things that weren't necessarily um, fit in with any of the specific topics that we're talking about today. But I'm not sure where we would fit them in in any future podcast episodes. So, for fun fact number one is that the element, I think it's, no, it's not element. Periodic table, is it an element? Is that what that's called? Titanium? Yeah. It's an element? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now that we've had that brain fart out of the way. <laughs> um, fun fact number one is titanium is named for titans because it is hard to find and it's deep underground. Much like the titans are, as we will find out later. Um, fun fact number two is that um, a lot of the stories, or not a lot, but some of the stories in the Arabian Nights, you know, the Thousand and One Tales? Yep. Um, some of those stories are said to derive from Greek myths. For example, Sinbad um, blinding a giant. Um, a lot of giants in myth- Greek mythology are also blinded, and it's a very good chance that those stories are derived from the Greek myths. Huh. Yeah, I found that super interesting. Um, the third fun fact, I mean, it's, Titans are a really popular name for sports teams. I mean, you've got like six or seven different teams around the world that use Titan as their mascot. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool, especially since they ended up being defeated. That sounds like a really bad name for a sports team because they didn't win their war. But Yeah. <laughs> You know, teach their own. I mean, you can't call every team the Olympians. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm, but there's no sports team named the Olympians. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we're still in the uh, the golden era, <laughs> as what uh, Cronus says. All right. Um, so we have three different Greek creation myths that we're going to talk about today. Um, there's the, oh my gosh, Tony, how did you pronounce this? So, the three stories, uh, that we're going to be going over is the, uh, Pelasgian creation. The The regular Olympian creation. And the Homeric Orphic creation. Uh, that one's split up into two, uh, mainly because it has the same views, but also a little bit of derivations of the two. I forgot to do a tick warning. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, so... (laughs) 
forewarning. Uh, now a little late warning, considering we already in. ticked. Uh, maybe Tony can do some fancy editing and maybe move this towards the beginning of the podcast. I'm not quite sure. But just a blanket warning for today, we will be talking about subjects such as incest, murder. Castration. Castration, rape, you know, all the big no-no scary things. And... Ticks. Yes. Um. A warning for my fellow uh, tickers, people with ticks. Is that what you call it? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um. To my fellow people with ticks, I have a tick disorder, so I probably will tick during the duration of this podcast. If that's going to trigger you, I ask that you please be careful when listening because I don't want to trigger anyone. All right. I'm gonna turn the time over to Tony. Thank God, five minute. I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> so the first creation, uh, being the Pelasgian creation, uh, exclaims that there was nothing but the goddess of all things named Ur- Urinome. I believe is how you pronounce Urinomy? it. Well, can I see it? I Ur- might be able- Urinomy? That just sounds like... Urinomy almost sounds like the more Greek pronunciation of it. Um, so, plot twist. Neither of us are experts on Greek language and so i'm sure there will be mispronunciations we're just two idiots who are trying to shed light to the world of the greek mythology <laughs> while probably doing it really badly <laughs> uh, just a little bit <laughs> all right so i'm i think it's your enemy that name makes sense for what i know about the greeks yeah just the weird pronunciations thank you yeah uh it says that she came from chaos uh if you're well versed or just getting in chaos is basically the beginning. Uh, there was nothing and chaos mm-hmm. happened and what do you know? There's the world. That's basically the whole gist of it. Uh, it was said that she was the one who divided the sea, uh, danced, and her movements uh, were what started the creation. She made the first god, a snake god named Orpheon, who basically coiled himself around her and was impregnated with the universal egg. Basically, the universal egg uh, sprang the entire universe, the sun, moon, stars, earth, and all the creatures. She then created seven planetary powers and placed a titan and titaness to watch over each. Hmm. Uh, The first man was also created from the dust of Arcadia uh, named Pelasgus, as the Pelasgian creation is, who taught the rest of mankind to survive. And that's it for the first one. Weird. I... I've heard some of those names. I mean, chaos is a pretty, you know, pretty universal in the Greek world for the beginning of everything. But, like, your enemy and Pelasgus, I've never heard of all of that. So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I found it pretty interesting as well. Uh, if you want to follow along while we're doing this, I guess I probably should have said this earlier. <laughs> uh, but there is this website that I was using called the HellenicTimes.com. Uh, and basically it just kind of runs through basically what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but I'm just dumbing it down cause I barely understood. Yeah. Um, not that you're dumb. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You ever just speak without thinking? A little bit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, all right. So I took a look, a deep dive into the most, I feel like the most common knowledge about the beginning of the world according to the Greeks. I took a lot of my information from cs.williams.edu as well as greekmythology.com. 
Um, so these two websites have very, very similar stories of the creation, but they were just a little bit different in the beginning. Um, so one of the beginnings is that before even Chaos, there was Nyx. Or no, chaos, from Chaos came Nyx, who is described as being almost bird-like with big black wings. Um, she's kind of, you know, a dark darkness type person. And she sat on an egg which birthed Eros, or love. The shell from this egg broke in two, and the top half of the egg became the sky, and Uranus. And then the bottom half became the earth, or Gaia. The other stories start with Chaos, who created Gaia, Tartarus, and Eros, kind of like, you know, as the three first beings. And in this other beginning, Nyx also came from Chaos, and Nyx created all of, you know, the more scary things in our world. Because a lot of the gods and stuff, I like in Titans and stuff, I feel like they have to do with concepts, and that's actually a big thing about the Greeks that we'll get into later. But Nyx created things such as Thanatos, or Death, Hypnos, or, or Sleep, Nemesis, or Revenge, the Hesperides, Hesperides, or the Daughters of the Evening, if you know what I mean. Um, as well as, you know, Doom, Old Age, Pain, Strife, basically all the things that are a little bit nerve-wracking when you think about, they all came from Nyx. She is like the queen being of all things dark. So... After, you know, Gaia and Uranus were created, um, they got married, even though they're either sister, brother, husband, wife, or mother, son, husband, wife. They're one of the two. Greeks don't agree on which come, who came when. Um, which came first, the chicken which, or the egg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those, uh, oh my gosh, words are hard. Um, discrepancies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Gaia birthed 12 titans, 3 cyclops, and 3 100-handed hecantonchiris. Hecantonchinary? I don't even know. That's a freaking big word. <laughs> Basically, 100-handed, or 100-handed men. And, um, Uranus refused to let these creatures be brought to the surface of the world. And what happened to these creatures that were trapped in her womb? Well, we'll discuss that after the break. Before we continue the story, we're going to have Tony finish us off with the last creation story, which I know nothing about. Take it away. Perfect. So the last big creation story is actually divided into two sub-stories. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, the Homeric slash Orphic creation, which I mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, there's been some just slight debates between the two, um, but those who believe in the Homeric tale suggest all gods and goddesses and living things originated within the waters of Oceanus, and Tethys, his wife, uh, was the creator of all of those things. Now, those who believe in the Orphic creation claim it was Nyx, also known as the Night, and Erebus, also known as Darkness, who gave birth to a silver egg, kind of like how CC's creationism story went, which birthed Eros and began the creation of the world. Uh, Eros was supposedly double-sexed with four heads and had created the earth, 
sky, moon, and planets. Uh, Nyx was also known as the personified version of night, order, and justice until her power was given to Uranus. That's how I've been pronouncing it. That works. And that's uh, that's it for the last one. Lit. All right. So, I've honestly, I've never heard of any of the creation myths that you talked about today. Um, I'm really intrigued because I've, I've done, like, the creation is something that I, it gets, I feel like it gets skipped over a lot when you talk about mythology. And so when we were discussing and doing our research, like... I had no idea that there were all these little discrepancies. Like, it kind of feels like everything has the same, like, kind of idea. Mm-hmm. But when it gets down to the details, that it's different. And I find that really interesting. It's kind of like, uh, well, with today. I mean, you look at all the different religions and how they all have their same uh, equal aspects, just with yeah, different... Yeah, how a lot of religions have, like, the same core beliefs. It's just... Mm-hmm. How they worship or practice those beliefs that are different. Yeah, no. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, like, I'm I'm very intrigued to look at the rest of the mythology myths that we're going to look at and see how they compare. Because, you know, maybe other mythologies have the same, you know, kind of idea that these do. I mean... Well, I, I mean, I do know that the uh, Greek and Roman mythologies aren't too far-fetched. Uh, maybe the other ones that we're planning on talking about, the Norse and the Egyptian gods, aren't that much different. Yeah, I'm very curious. And, yeah, and I mean, if you think about the Christian creation myth, which is the creation myth that I'm most familiar with because of my, you know, my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it kind of almost sounds like the Earth, and as we know it, was created over time in the Greeks, just like it was with Christianity. Because, I mean, you think about it, seven days to create the Earth, and this, obviously, I mean, you have, you know, first came night, and then came the Earth, and then came the sky, and I mean, it's mm-hmm. very similar, which I find very interesting. And it also comes, it, I feel like that goes back to, you know, Christian's bringing their belief to the pagans and stuff Mm -hmm. like yeah that's just something that you know comes to mind when we're talking about the creation myths and stuff yeah there's a lot of uh similarities between a lot of uh different mythologies and different religions so for sure for sure we're definitely going to be taking a closer look at that (laughs) as we continue on with our research over the rest of the creation myths oh yeah and so I think that's it for the first part. Uh, we are going to have a little interlude or yeah, a little Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, get some water, you know, take a take a deep breath and shake out all of those muscles, and we'll be back in just a couple of seconds. See you then. to mythology breakdown hope you guys enjoyed that water break just as much as i did so we're gonna continue on with where i left off in my story with uranus refusing to let his children be born um this made gaia really mad gaia okay is it gaia or gaia i think it's gaia i think it's gaia too I don't know why I said gaia probably because that's the pronunciation that i used when i was a kid because i didn't know any better 
Um, Kids, am I right? Yeah. But Gaia was really infuriated by this, obviously. I mean, she had all these kids up up inside of her. I mean, that would annoy anyone. It would annoy me. I know that for sure. Especially 12 of them. Yeah, and, 12. Yeah. No, not even just 12. I mean, there was them, there was the giant, or the cyclops, and then there was the hundred-handed men, like all of those just up inside of her. And I mean, she's the entire Earth, but still. How frustrating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, she devised a plot to get rid of Uranus. She built a scythe. A scythe, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's, uh, I was reading sickle, but it's basically okay. the same thing. I mean, they're very similar. I read yeah. scythe, you read sickle. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of her children wanted to, you know, attempt to fight him, except for Kronos, who was the youngest of the 12 titans. So, one day when... Uranus came to mate with Gaia. <laughs> Why are you giving me that look? You mean he wanted to Marvin Gaye it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it on. Let's get it on. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, along came Uranus and he was like, I'm going to do my wife. And Gaia was like, LOL, joke's on you. And here comes Kronos with his weapon whatever it may have been, and he chops off the genitalia. And throws it in the frickin' sea. <laughs> oh, I read ocean, but oh, yeah. <laughs> close enough, a big body of water. <laughs> What's so interesting about this is that from the blood that he spilt, it bore all of the giants, it bore all of the tree nymphs, also called dryads, and it birthed the three furies, and from the sea foam... From where his, you know, mm-hmm. thing fell in the water. Yeah. It burst the goddess Aphrodite. And really quick, I just want to mention that that is so interesting that Aphrodite is the oldest of the Olympian gods. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that, but she is. And that, it's crazy. Yeah, a lot a lot of misconceptions are actually that Zeus is the oldest because he's the one in power. Yeah, but, but... he's the youngest. Mm-hmm. And that's so weird to, like, it's, it's just bizarre I feel like we should try and build a family tree, but it would end up just being like a bush. Get it? Because it's a circle. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I think I'm funny. Because incest. Lamau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, Uranus is defeated. The Titans can be born, you know. Hallelujah. Kronos is now in charge. He marries his sister, Rhea, because incest. And he decides to imprison his non-Titan brothers. Yes. So he's like... You know what? I know I fought for us to get out, but I'm going to just put you back in here. I don't want to deal with you. And they were sent to Tartarus, I believe, which is basically the underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what happened after that was uh, Uranus actually spoke to uh, Cronus and told him that, hey, uh, our fates are intertwined. You're going to bore a child who's going to basically screw you over and take dethrone you kind of thing i love that chronos listened to him because mm-hmm. he's literally just like oh yeah you just defeated me but i'm gonna warn you that your kid's gonna do the same thing to you like if someone that i wronged came up to me and said oh yeah well what happened to me is gonna happen to you i would be like okay bitter but i you know i guess thousands of years ago they had different thoughts than I did. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> I mean, in, incest. Uh, 
So basically, after that had happened, Cronus got super, super paranoid. And Rhea, you know, was giving birth to his kids, all that, all that stuff. And he was eating them, like swallowing them whole. Because, well, paranoia gets the best of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhea was pissed <laughs> that he did that. Nice. Uh, all of her children, now known as the Greek gods and goddesses, uh, were lost to his paranoia. Uh, Rhea asked Gaia for knowledge on what to do, and Gaia told Rhea to wrap a stone in clothes to trick Cronus, which actually worked, and left Zeus to not be eaten. Uh, of course, the youngest. And you may be wondering why... I'm sorry, that's our cat in the background, if you can't hear that. <laughs> you may be wondering why Gaia was going to warn Cron- like, or was going to help Rhea, because he- she was the one that helped Kronos come to power. But Gaia was mad because her other children were in prison, so mm-hmm. she decided, you know what, I can give you this power, I can take it away too. Yep. Do, do, do. Ha ha. Mother's revenge. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so when she did that, uh, and Kronos did eat the rock baby, uh, Zeus had fully matured. And so after he... Had Do you know who he was raised by? I can tell you who he was raised by. Go for it. Adrastia and Ida. They were tree nymphs. All right. Yeah. Maybe that's why he told Poseidon that the tree nymphs were off. I have uh, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to get into that in a later episode. Whoops. There we go. Kicking it a little bit too, uh, too in the heavy gear. All we know is that Zeus had two strong lesbian mothers. Yes. There you go. Praise the lesbianism. <laughs> uh, so by the time Zeus had fully matured, uh, Rhea gave Cronus a tainted drink that caused him to vomit up his own kids. You read it was Rhea? Mm-hmm. I read that it was Metis, the goddess of wisdom. Really? Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. But how would there be a goddess if Cronus ate? It's the titan of wisdom. Sorry. Oh, yeah, true. All right, all right. Uh, but Gaia basically gave Rhea this, like, drink thing that yeah. uh, made him vomit up his own kids. <clears throat> First the stone came out, then he realized what was going on, and then the rest. Uh a battle immediately started, uh, but most of the Titans sided with Cronus, even though he'd imprisoned them. Uh, no, he didn't imprison the Titans. He imprisoned the Cyclops and the Hundred-Handed Men. Oh. Well, that's my bad, then. No, 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 no. The mm-hmm. Titans were basically just, like, the Twelve Olympians. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. miscommunication. Uh, so they sided with Cronus. Uh, they were afraid to lose their statue to the younger gods. Uh, Zeus and the Olympians, as they were to be known by, uh, became allies with the Cyclops and, as my adoring wife said earlier, the Hecaton Cherries, or a hundred-handed people, <clears throat> who they had confined to Tartarus. Okay, yeah, so you had already said yeah, that. Yeah, I already got through all of that. Uh, they both actually proved themselves worthy, and eventually they all defeated the Titans. Uh, Cronus and his siblings were banished to Tartarus by Zeus, uh, with some receiving special pu- punishments, like Atlas having to carry the world on his shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of mythology about the turtle and the water with the world on its back thing came from, actually. Mm-hmm. So yep. that that's a cool little aspect I learned in that high school class. Yeah, that I took. yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the last little tidbits that I have about you know the Titan War is that when the 
Cyclops and them were released, that they were the ones who made the three main weapons of the gods, Zeus's lightning bolt, Poseidon's strident, and Hades' invisibility helmet. Like, they made them for the main three gods as hmm. thanks. Yeah. Okay. I found that super interesting, too. Yeah. I That was actually not explained in on the website that I was reading. So Yeah. Heck yeah. It, I found that one on GreekMythology.com. That, it's always good to double cite your sources, kids. Yes, I yes. <laughs> uh, so basically, the Olympians weren't completely triumphant in their battle. Uh, a lot of the giants, wow, the giants were defeated. But a lot of the giants uh, ended up basically telling the gods to go F themselves. That's literally how that went down. Uh, the giants took over where the titans left off. Uh, they were pretty fierce and were prophesized to win as long as they only fought the gods. But Zeus solved the issue by summoning, summoning his son Hercules. We'll discuss him and other demigods in a future episode. Uh, yeah. That Hercules just kind of popped up that early in creationism, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I had no idea about that either. Yeah, I mean, neither did I until yeah. I read it. Uh, the gods, Zeus, Poseidon, uh, Athena, Ares, Artemis, and Apollo, slew most of the giants, and it looked like a clear victory. But Gaia was actually disgusted about what her grandchildren were doing. Uh, so she actually summoned her son, uh, the titan Typhon, who was incredibly vicious, horrid, and had one to a hundred heads, which I think is just insane. Uh, they actually scared the rest of the Olympians so much they fled the battlefield. Uh, Zeus was actually the only remaining person standing there. Uh, he ended up crushing the monster under Mount Aetna, um, a Greek mountain. I mm. don't know exactly. I think um, it's Aetna. It's something like that. Weird ether type stuff, uh, which still shakes because of his convulsions. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the end of the the war but yeah and after the war or differing things on the creation of humans from what i've read um according to tony's research Mm -hmm. they were alive during the titans time but according to everything that i've read they came during the gods time but i feel like that's you know yeah so, no. the the races of man. So, that's my, actually the next segment that I was going to jump into. Uh, basically, with the... I can't say that they're technically men, uh, because they technically did come from Cronus, which is really weird in a certain aspect. It's very weird, the, you know, how some beings... Bur- yeah. It's, I basically, I just feel like it's all confusing and I just went with the flow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just basically wrote down all that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole gist of the show, by the way, is bullshittery. <laughs> like I said, Greek mythology family tree is a bush. Oh, yeah. And not George Bush. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm tired, okay? It's, it's 2 very late. It's, it's 2 a.m. Uh, so according to a respected classicist, uh, Robert Graves, actually, uh, there were five races of mankind, uh, the golden race, the silver race, the brazen race, the offspring of the brazen race, and the iron race. 
uh, starting from number one, tried and true, the Golden Race, uh, they were subjects of Cronus, the Titan. Uh, they were a glorious bunch, never died, always ate and drank the best food and wine, and constantly laughed and danced. Uh, because of their certain lifestyle and nature of life, they actually became extinct. From just partying too much? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess that's one way to go out, party until you just bloop. Oh, yeah. Party, party hardy till you drop. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Right. Uh, the second uh, after them were the Silver Race. Uh, they were best described as mama's boys because of their obedience to the law, uh, but they were pretty damn stupid. Uh, they ignored offerings to the gods until Zeus decided to smite them. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of weird jumping between, I think, the first race of mankind was Cronus, and then everything after that was Zeus. But it's it's all kind of jumbled right now. Um, number three, uh, the brazen race actually fell from ash trees and were the first to carry weapons. They were also cannibals and were probably the most violent and savage until the Black Death wiped them out completely. Number four, uh, the descendants of the Brazen Race, or the Brazen Race the second, uh, were nobler and wiser than their ancestors. They were children of the gods and of humans alike and displayed a certain generosity that was apparent in warfare. Uh, a lot of them were the stories you know today, uh, the Spartans, Athenians, Persians... Uh, the Iron Race, last but not least, were the descendants of the second Brazen Race, uh, but were very unworthy of their kinship. Most were cruel, mischievous, and malicious. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I that wish is... I would have looked into this a little bit more, because I know a slightly different version of that, but I can't quite place the details in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the last thing that I read, at least on that website. Um, about, you know, races of man and all that kind of stuff. Or mankind, I should say. But yeah, that's about all I had. Alright, should we move on to our next segment of Titans in the Media? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Take it off. Yes, this is all me. This is what I am so psyched about this podcast, whereas this section right here. Oh yeah. Uh, each week, by the way, we're going to be taking... Um, Our main topic, and I'm going to be discussing about how we see it in today's media, or media of the last couple hundred years, more modern times. Or if we don't see it at all. Uh, Very rare that we ever not see something like that. Yeah, Um, well, I mean, there's not a lot of the actual creation in today's things. A lot of, of, you know, especially Greek retelling, skip straight to the Titans and... Zeus's defeat of Kronos, they kind of skip all that beginning stuff, mm-hmm. which is probably why there's not a concrete agreeance, because there's just so many different stories that are out there. Oh yeah, that a lot it was of... never condensed into one storyline, kind of like how the Titan War has become. A lot of people who actually look into Greek mythology think that um, Gaia and Uranus were actually made up. For the fact that, well, the gods needed a backstory. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's one misconception about uh, that's, the Titans. And... I feel that's a big thing, especially in Greek mythology. Other mythologies as well, but in Greek mythology especially, all of these, you know, immortal, powerful creatures, they're not perfect. They make mistakes and they have flaws. And historians believe that that's because it's easier for people to believe because the gods were like them. So they were like, hey... 
you know, Zeus makes mistakes. I make mistakes. Like, mm-hmm. neither of us are perfect, but he's really powerful, so I'm going to pray to him anyway. What I if find God that, was one of us? I just find it, <laughs> I find that really interesting. So anyway, let's look at the media. Like I said, there's not much on the actual creation itself, and there's not even really a lot about the Titans. Everything that I could find about the Titans, they're always portrayed as the villains, always. Um, which is interesting because really, I mean, we don't know much about their rule. There's not enough that, like, they're just automatically the villains because of Kronos. Um, so let's talk about the big one, Percy Jackson. Yes. Um, the first series, the Percy Jackson and and the Olympians, I mean, they're focused really heavily on the Titans. I mean, basically, that whole storyline is them defeating the Titans that are trying to rise back up. Mm-hmm. And then the Heroes of Olympus series, the second series, is all about um, Gaia trying to ri- rise back up. So, I mean, very interesting. I mean, both, they're obviously the villains, but you get a lot of names and backstories. You know, Atlas is in it, Kronos, Typhon is in it. Like, all of the... Titans that we know by name, they're all mentioned and talked about. And I think Percy, like, the Percy Jackson books do a really good, good job of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of going to be the main thing that I go back to a lot of the times in this segment because it's talked a little bit about everything. Hello, cat. Um, other, the other really popular one was the Disney movie Hercules. Yes. Um, interesting fact about Hercules, that is the Roman name for him. The Greeks called him Heracles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that very interesting that that one switch stuck for some reason. Like, you know, a lot of the gods and stuff, they're referred to by their Greek names. But not Hercules, he gets Roman. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Um, in Hercules' movie, he fights the Titans, but they're not named and... They're really just elements. They don't really have, you know, a story or anything. They're basically just there to be the villains. Um, then you've got Clash of the Titans and its sequel, Wrath of the Titans. And in that, they fight the Kraken, which is a Norse thing. Um, and they defeat the Kraken with Medusa's head. Kronos is in the sequel and... Ares is trying to get him to come back, and that's a really interesting thing that I noticed because in the first Percy Jackson book, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, who is the one that gets Luke to steal the lightning bolt? Cronus. Well, it's Ares. Ares is the one working with Cronus, and I just found that very interesting, that little connection. I've never seen Clash of the Titans. So I found that interesting. Yeah, I saw the movie, and of course, me and my little 10-year-old brain at the time, I freaking loved it, because, you know, you've got (laughs) this huge badass monster and this little dude who's a demigod and is like, oh, yeah, let me just kill a huge water monster that apparently Poseidon can control. Yeah, it was kind of (laughs) weird. Now, looking back on it, it definitely had a lot of... uh, uh, plot holes that I never really yeah. thought about until now. Um, the last couple of things that really talk about Titans in general, I mean, you've got God of War, the video game, which, I mean, it's pretty, you know, the Titans are portrayed as elements, and 
you know, very much one with nature and as the villains again. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the anime Attack on Titan, which is very interesting because they use the term Titan for these genderless, zombie-like cannibal creatures. Um, but hey, it was on the Wikipedia page. I was very intrigued, so I had to write it down because I don't think that it had anything to do with the Greek Titans. But they said it, and I was like, all right, freaking weirdos. Yeah, probably not, but still a good show. Recommend watching, 10 out of 10. And then, I've never heard of this before, but I read it, and I had to write it down. There is a 2005 Canadian cartoon called Class of the Titans. Class. Class of the Titans. It's about these seven kids who are descendants of Greek heroes, like Heracles and Perseus and stuff like that. Yeah. And Kronos is returning, and these seven kids have to fight him and the other Titans back to their prison. It's a cartoon. You can find it on YouTube. I am binging it on my next day off. That actually doesn't sound terrible. I am binging it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's really not a lot of mentions of Titans, though. I mean, lots of maybe mentions here and there, but we don't get a lot of depictions or not in a ton of artwork. They're really not stories retold in any books. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very, very interesting. Like, you know, everyone knows the Titans, but we don't really know that much about them. Mm-hmm. Which I hope in the future, uh, at least on a different podcast that we can kind of delve in. And um, like Cece said earlier, the uh, family tree or bush, as you'd want to call it, <laughs> uh, that we can we can take a deeper look and uh, dive uh, maybe a special episode regarding nothing but the Titans. Yeah. Uh, just so. And see if we can find any more stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And kind of compare notes and all that kind of stuff. And just see what comes of it. Yeah. Well, Mr. Tony, did you have any questions about anything or any last things that you wanted to say on the subject of the creations and the Titans in Greek myth? Uh, just one thing. We kind of grazed over it earlier, The just the differences between the creations and how, like today, uh, one person can see something and Ooh, another person sees the same thing and they depict it in a completely different way. And I just find it interesting. Oh, yeah, that... I mean, there's so many. I mean, and there's there's even more creation myths for the Greeks than the ones that we went through today. I mean, every single source that I looked at had a slightly different story. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. I think that that's definitely... I mean, this is the reason, that's the reason why I got into mythology in the first place is because it's just so open. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally anything is possible in the world of myth. And kind of doubling back to the creations, uh, which of the three that we explained um, seem to you what would be um, more appropriate uh, to look at in today's view. What do you mean by appropriate? So what do you think um, would be better portrayed? Like if a movie or a TV show or if someone who came out with a book had decided to use one of these three creation stories, which one do you think would be better portrayed to the media? 
if I'm biased or anything. I'm going to assume the Olympian one. The Olympian one is the one that makes the most sense to me. Especially, I love the Nyx as a bird hatching the egg. Like, I think that that makes perfect sense for how, you know, everything came from something. And, you know, from the egg hatched love and from the pieces of the egg, we got the sky and the earth itself. Like, I just really like that, and I think it would be very easy to portray, and it makes sense. So, I mean, that's my favorite out of everything that we discussed today. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Um, opening back up my my notes, um, I am kind of a fan of the the Orphic. Not, not the homework, but the, the Orphic creation. Um, only because, you know, you have you know, Nyx, who was the, basically this overruling god that had all of these. Nyx is a female. Goddess, sorry. <laughs> uh, that um, had all of these tendencies, you know, night, order, justice, uh, kind of like how you said with the, the bird and um, kind of being like the watcher, the ruler. Being and, um, you know, Erebus, the darkness that, you know, is came to be. I mean, hell, our days are split in half right now. 12, 12 light, 12 dark. So I just definitely, I like that one because it kind of opens up a, a new door uh, to something a little different. Oh, yeah. No, totally. For sure. I, I definitely think there are facets that I like to the other stories. I just, you know, this is what I'm familiar with. This is what I'm comfortable with. And Oh, of course. I just, it makes the most sense to me, probably because I know it very well. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for episode one of Mythology Breakdown. I've been Cece. And I've been Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been Athena. <laughs> I don't know if the mic picked it up, but she was just playing with oh, the keys. Oh, the mic totally picked it up. The mic and totally picked it up. you know what? I'm thinking about keeping this whole last little bit in. <laughs> uh, but anyways, have a good rest of your night. And have we will, a good day. And we will see you next week. Where we will be discussing Roman creationism. Although I think the Roman creationism is pretty similar to this. So we might just talk about how Rome was formed. And how the Greeks moved over to the Roman side. Yeah. We'll see. I guess you'll have to come back to find out. Mm-hmm.